Maddie. Maddie, 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 Maddie. Hey. Hey, can you hear? Hello. Yes. Hello. Hey, Good day. Hello. How's it going? I mean, it's going. It's going. It's, it's definitely, it's weird times, right? It certainly is. All locked down again and can't do anything. Yeah. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's welcome like, to our podcast. This is something we're going to try. Um, yeah. Yeah. Stoked. I did one in the past and we would get loaded for it. So this is new to me to be sober. This is my, so this is like, I was like, okay, I'm not going to smoke weed today to see what I can remember. So this is probably the first time I've ever done an interview sober. So Nice. This should so go great for a lot of us. Yeah. This is my first, no, this actually, this is my second interview I've done. Um, my first one was Fat Mike. Oh, shit. Yeah, so big shoes to fill. Just kidding. I just won't be like outwardly kinky. We can like, yeah. leave, like we can leave the BDSM questions to like like East Coast punk rock podcast after dark or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll be good. Perfect. So Maddie, let's just jump right into the questions. Sure. Or discussion, whatever. Uh, you've been around the Halifax punk scene for years now. Uh, yeah. I believe it was Dead Pinkertons you played with when I first met you. That was my uh, first band, yeah. Your latest work now is Cluttered. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Cluttered, uh, influences, whichever, you know. Sure. Uh, so Cluttered started originally as... Um, so friends of mine in Montreal were doing this project called Demo Fest, where they were just encouraging people to kind of assemble a band while being locked down or like being in quarantine or, or whatever, like just to do something new. And um, there's this band from California called Jabber and one of the members of Jabber, uh, Danny, Danny and I played a like Zoom like live stream together during the early days of the quarantine and I was a big fan of of her work and I was like hey would you like to collaborate on this project so I started writing songs that were just kind of like um a little more like queer politic focused a little bit um and also like with a heavy dose of the like uh I feel like shit like poured on top of it um, and so I started writing songs for that, and then I reached out to Dylan Mumbercat, who we had an Against Me cover band together. Dylan drums in a band called All Right Already, a uh, fantastic drummer, and we have a lot of, like, similar influences, and I reached out to Dylan and was like, hey, would you want to play drums on some of these songs? And what he sent back was just, like, perfect. Um... And so we had two songs, he did, he put drums on them. I wrote two more songs. So we had a four song EP and then it kind of picked up a little bit of traction. Like, um, sorry. Uh, so like influences, like Against Me is a big influence but like a lot of my writing, um, 
honestly, I was listening to a band called Robot Bachelor. It's a graph from the Steinways and Houseboat who were like pop punk bands like 10 years ago. Uh, it was Graph's last project and I was really enjoying that. And a lot of the lyrics are very like, like self-loathing and, but kind of like with a charm and a sense of humor to it. And so I kind of took that as a lyrical influence a little bit and that's kind of cluttered like Dylan's like yeah it's against me influence there's some like alkaline trio and stuff but like it really just feels like the next progression in the songs that I've been writing like I was uh prior to cluttered my last full-time band was called Future Girls um Future Girls are still around we're working on a new EP it's it's going to come out and it's it's great but um, when Future Girls kind of wound down for a little bit, I was performing as a solo artist, and I didn't really have an outlet for any of, like, full bands versions of, full band versions of those songs. Like, it was just, like, I would just write songs, like, constantly, and then just, like, anytime somebody needed an opener or needed somebody to play a show, I would be there. Um, so that's kind of it. Like, Clutter just kind of it was kind of like a happy accident. It feels like all of the pieces are really good. We have a live band now. Um, it's myself and Dylan and Becca Daly and AJ Bootlier from the band's Book Buddy and Book Buddies and Designosaur. Uh, they're they're great people and like old friends. And so we have a live formation. And before things got locked down, we were like getting ready to play our first show. And oh, really? Yeah, we. Uh, we were supposed to play tentatively are playing in June. We'll see if that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, it felt really exciting. Like we were kind of getting the wheels on and everything felt good and everybody's on the same page. And like the way it's established with like the songwriting, like the songs come first and the songs are done. So everybody just shows up to practice and knows their parts. And it makes for a really exciting, like we're able to kind of, flesh out it's it's really the band I've wanted to be in for a long time like it's yeah. something like I like listening to the songs like because I think that we write good songs together and it sounds yeah. it sounds rad yeah definitely I was, I was listening to it the last couple of days and I was really impressed I, I'm always loving everything that you write but yeah Clutter just seemed to take it that next level you know what I mean yeah, it was it was really cool because it was just like I was just recording songs in Logic on my on my laptop and recording them to a click track, and then I can send them to Dylan and Dylan can play to a click, and does like flawlessly. So yeah. it was just like, oh, this is what this sounds like without computer <laughs> drums or without robot drums or whatever. So it's it's pretty yeah. sweet. And you guys had a you guys had a shout out recently on Twitter from Laura Jane Grace. So that's probably. Yeah. Uh, picked up a little traction for the band a little bit uh that was pretty wild dylan reached out to laura and was like like tweeting was like you know we're influenced by against me blah 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 and then she just tweeted back and was like this is rad and uh, got a bunch of listeners and um we ended up in exclaim a couple months ago as like a hot new act to listen to or, or whatever the sh shit that is. Uh, I forget what it's, it's exactly called, but it was really, it was really flattering. And also like 
Laura's kind of like against me or like my favorite band. So yeah. having somebody like Laura actually like shout that out is really cool and really like um, was unexpected. Like I was asleep and then I woke up at like 5 a.m. and checked my phone and it was like I was getting messages from people that were like, wake up. <laughs> you just got retweeted by Laura Jane Grace and um it was pretty wild uh then she also played us on her DJ show okay. really uh, she was doing a wow. DJ show for House of Vans and was going through and just playing like all new music or new music she had discovered and then ended up like playing our song and stopping it briefly and talking about the song and then like playing the right. rest of it and it was just oh, like <laughs> that's so what cool. did she say about it uh she said, she was like, this band says that they're influenced by Against Me, but they do it better than we do. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, don't believe, but as somebody who, like, can actively remember, like, buying Reinventing Axl Rose from Interpunk in, like, 2004 and, like, sitting in my college dorm room listening to Against Me while everybody around me was, like, listening to the Red Hot Chili Peppers and shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just, like, it's... So it was such a trip. That's rad as shit. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I remember the following day reading, kind of like reading your reaction on Twitter, basically. And I thought, holy shit, Maddie's going to be losing her friggin' mind because, like, yeah, if that had happened well, to me, I, was... I would have been like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, and that was, I was just like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, you, I've been in bands for so long and I've performed at like the level I've performed at and like had had lots of success and gotten to do lots of really cool things. Um, but to be acknowledged by somebody you admire on that kind of a level is very like very much a trip. And then the following days, uh, you never realize how much of a serotonin boost that is. Like you read it and then you're just like, like it just it feels so good and you feel so validated and then the following days you kind of like come down <laughs> where you're just like oh this isn't an all the time thing this is like here have this crumb of validation and you'll feel really yeah. good for a little while and then go from there and then you have to let strongo know you're not from quebec city yeah that was really funny <laughs> Uh, we didn't even know we were going to be on Strombo's show. Uh, <laughs> I got in, I got him, I play in a band called Century Egg as well, which is right, kind of yeah. like, like a Mando yeah. pop kind of like, it's, it's something different. Um, and I got a message from our drummer that was like, Maddie Cluttered's on CBC right now. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on with this? Like, yeah. I should have probably asked, can I swear? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I assume anyway. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't I mean, go over any ground rules either, so I just assume we're not drunk. So I mean, I don't know. It'll seem weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost four months sober, actually. Wow. Oh, Congratulations. Thank you. This is not a Leahy bottle of vodka. Uh, same water. <laughs> Cheers. Is that hot sauce? Yeah. I got Maybe. nothing. I got. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Just product placement. You don't keep hot sauce on your desk? I'm sitting in my bed. Oh. <laughs> you don't keep hot Whoa. sauce on your bed? <laughs> Man. 
Come on. It's like, yeah, it's literally like hot sauce and lube. It's a very... Uh, <laughs> Same bottle. Yeah, it's a very dangerous... <laughs> dangerous mistake you can make yeah i would say so yeah right on so i was one thing i've always wondered is um like you said the members of cluttered are in different towns and cities um how difficult is that to jam and create music and all that is it do you find it's easier or do you find it's got more challenges so cluttered is kind of like there's one one member who, when we have the songs mostly done, we send them to her. She sings on top of them and then sends them back. Okay. So it's it's kind of yeah. like that. But I play in a band called Weekend Dads. Uh, yeah. One of our members lives in New Brunswick and has since the band formed. Yeah. So that's always something like you just learn to be more, I guess, efficient is how I would how I would describe it. Like you just um you you don't have the luxury of just like showing up to band practice and kind of half-assing it like if one of your members yeah. lives in another <laughs> province and then somebody has driven three hours to jam like you need to know your you need to know what you're doing yeah um so like specifically with weekend ads we we'll get demos from Corey. um excuse me We'll get demos from Corey and James, our bass player. They're the two primary songwriters. Uh, and so we'll assemble them as a band here with James, myself, and our new drummer is Ty Springall, who's uh, I played in a band with previously called Staples. Um, Ty's a great drummer. Um, so we, and I guess that would be an exclusive because we haven't really told anybody yet. Okay. Um, but so like you know, we get the songs, we rehearse them all, we learn them. And then what ends up tending to happen is we'll go in and record. And so we have, okay. it's similar to Cluttered where we have the songs recorded and we have like a reference that we can go back to. So there's not a lot of like ambiguity um, with like what parts you need to play. The, the hard thing is sometimes, so Weekend Dads released a record last year called Good Hang. Um, it was the first thing we had done in a couple of years and we did it with Chris Murdoch as our drummer. And when it came time to start rehearsing for those songs, I had to relearn what I had written and relearn it in a way like to get too technical. When we record an album, there's lots of guitar tracks and there's lots of like different coloring and nuance and, and things that I like to put in songs. And I'm also a backup vocalist, so there's a lot yeah. of like, oh, I need to know how to like play this guitar part while singing this thing <laughs> and be able to do it competently. And it's it's tricky. Like it's just another tricky thing, but we haven't been able to rehearse with Corey in a year because of yeah. things. We were actually talking about going into the studio in June to record earlier this year, and it just like it's just not panning out. Um, but like what would probably happen is we would rehearse it, Corey would come down, we would jam all together, it would sound like Weekend Dads because that's what happens when all of us are in the same room and then kind of go our separate ways and come back again to record in a few months. It's usually how it, how it works. Um, I mean like 
the rhythm section lives in Halifax, so we can just build everything on top of that. Like they, yeah. they're here and they can practice together. So, yeah, I getcha. And with weekend dads, you had a bit of, um, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but you had somebody fairly well known that was going to master or mix or record or something, weren't you? Um, so we. Our last two records with Weekend Dads, we recorded them here and then we sent the mixing away to Justin Yates in Chicago. Um, Justin Yates has done like Lawrence Arms demos, has like, is like that caliber of a person. Um, Corey met him when we played Fest in 2013, I believe, it was 2013 that we played. Um, and Justin's a sweetheart. He makes the new Future Girls record. He's really wonderful and, and does a really good job of like making things sound the way they kind of like in some cases better than I would have envisioned the song sounding. Um, and like takes a little creative license and does, does a couple things and, and does a really good job. And then we had the last two records mastered by Mas Giorgini, who used to be in the band Squirt Gun, if you remember the 90s okay. at all. Uh, a little was bit, yeah. in Squirt Gun, was also a member of Screeching Weasel for a period of time. Uh, okay. Now I think works for the CIA in some capacity. Like he's like, <laughs> like a cryptographer, he's very, very smart, very weird dude, yeah. Interesting. I got company. Earl, you got anything? There you go. Uh, what you got? Ruby. Ah. Uh. Ah. Um, I was just going to ask what you think, like, the music scene is going to be like post-COVID. I mean... I feel like Halifax has been kind of, I don't know where it's been going, but compared to 10, 15 years ago, it's, you know, it's not there, right? It's, it's definitely different. Um, my, my hope, I guess I think maybe like my hope for what a potential reality is and maybe what the actual potential reality are like two separate things. But my hope is that as we come out of this and as folks start getting vaccinated and things start like kind of, uh, as the wheels kind of go back on, I'd really love to see the reemergence of like house shows and like DIY shows and like, like I love playing at Radstorm. I think that's my favorite place in the city to play. It just, it feels right. Ideologically, it lines up with my values. It, it feels perfect every time. I can't say enough good things. Um, so like spaces like that are really important. And I think that those are the ones that might survive this. Um, bars like, bars in Halifax don't really give a shit about loud music and don't really give a shit about punk music. Right. Yeah. And the thing with that too is it's, the really like punk is so diverse that like you could have a really sweet bill and like you can put it all together in like this perfect package but 
it's possible that like you could have the best show that you've ever put together and no one will go. That's right. Like it's just it's one of those things where you're like, I love this, and you have to kind of do it for yourself a little bit. Right. Um, yeah. I I think that we're gonna be in a weird spot because right now I believe there are only two bars that are still booking shows are like the Derby, which used to be the Marquee. They've gone back to their like 70s and 80s name and yeah, okay. uh, Gus's Pub, which has been there forever. Um, and it's going to be really hard when everybody when everybody is able to like go out and enjoy things again, everybody's going to be trying to play a show. So there's going to, it's going to go back to the times of like, yeah, there's Wednesday night shows, there's Tuesday night shows. Like it's, yeah. like it's going to be the only way to accommodate everybody. And I don't know if necessarily folks are going to like people, like I, I've spoken with people about this recently, but like, people are aching for live music like they just mm -hmm. they just want it and they it's something like that has been deprived of them and they're and i'd be guilty of this too but like it's really hard to convince somebody to go out on a tuesday yes like we're yeah. we're all old now like like <laughs> our our generation of things and like it's it's different than it was like 10 or 15 years ago because the other part of that is like you have maybe less responsibilities and less things that you have to like tend to and you maybe want your band to be through you know uh, i was in a band for a long time called fat stupids and fat stupids were formed basically to be the rock and for dollars house band and for yeah. people who don't remember rock and for dollars was a full band open mic bands could play you could spin the wheel and win money and we were we were kind of a placeholder to to fill that for when folks weren't playing that because people were fatigued on shows and it just happened um and like i'd give i'd give anything to go back to one of those nights now like right yeah. like right now with like how COVID is to be like yeah. to be like 22 again and just like being kind of drunk and playing Ramon songs like like there's nothing better yeah. but yeah like you probably won't see me at 35 or 36 going out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday to do that um so I think like I think like the emergence of like house shows would be really important because you know hopefully people will be more chill about things after they haven't had them for a year. So right. people won't call noise complaints or call cops on people. I'm looking for a place to start doing when, you know, when we can again, I want to do like Saturday and Sunday matinees. That would be amazing. Saturday, like a, like an early show where you're done by like eight o'clock or nine o'clock and you start in the afternoon and everybody knows the deal like you know when you go that, that that's what you're gonna do you yeah. uh that would be great um i was thinking recently about you used to book the east coast punk fest and when there was the bar called the old mill and i was oh, describing no. <laughs> the old mill to somebody and it was just like 
it looked like a lodge in the basement. Yes. <laughs> but like, like, that's kind of what you need is just like, like a space where folks are not particularly invested in what goes on there or like don't feel particularly like, like for a long time, Jacobs was doing shows and then Jacobs right. recognized that their shows were doing well. So then they started charging more for it. And you need to find a space where like, you don't have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to book a yeah. three band bill. Yeah. Because like, if your cost is like $400 to book a show, then you have to charge $15 at the door for like people to come in and That's you won't right. ever, it's not about money, but like you won't ever break even on it. Yeah. Yeah. But matinees, I would love to play a matinee. I would love it. I hope that becomes the new normal, that every show starts at six. Yeah. And then we can go to Tuesday night shows. <laughs> I remember, I well, I was going to say, like, it's funny because even 10, 15 <laughs> years ago, I remember going to see Strung Out and Death by Stereo at the Marquee on a Tuesday, and it was dead. Like, I mean, so dead. Part of that was the promoter, I think, but uh, I think that was, I can't remember who it was now, but somebody, we'll leave names out of it anyway. Um, somebody that cared a bit more about the money than the actual scene itself. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking almost like to go to because Death by Stereo and Strung Out are pretty big names and come out really is like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Um, Weekend Ads, the last show we played before everything went down was with a band from out west called Mobina Galore. And Mobina Galore had just finished touring Europe with Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers. They're awesome. They're, they rule. Yeah. They're great people. They're like, I can't say enough good things, but it was a Sunday night at Gus's and like, like the show was pretty good, but <laughs> like getting people out to it was really challenging. And yeah. like, um, it just is one of those, it is one of those things. Yeah. I think, I think we might see the end. Of like we were kind of, Oh, yeah. I would, I'd love that. I, I, like, I don't want to stay out until 2 a.m. anymore. <laughs> no. No. Too old for that shit. Yeah. And this is the part where we're all going to sound like cranky old people, where it's just like, but like, if you, if you knew that, like, if you knew that you could go to a show and it started at, like you said, six o'clock or it started at eight, even if it was eight and two band bill and you were done by 11 and home, there's no reason you can't still like go to work the next day. There's no reason exactly. you can't continue on with your life. And then that builds a scene and also encourages folks who have kids to get back in it and like keep playing shows. Yeah. And like, because just because people have children doesn't like their lives change, but it doesn't mean that like they stop having rad bands. Right. Yeah. And it, it makes, it makes the shows and the scene more accessible for Absolutely. everybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I definitely think that's really important because even like when there's only twice that we went down, but my partner and I went to the fest and it was amazing, like seeing, you know, parents with their young kids there with their headphones on and rocking out to Red City Radio and Banner Pilot. Yeah. I was like, oh man, this is fucking wicked. 
That's and, that's one of those things. Like uh, Pooza Fest is like that in Montreal too, where they have like the Pooza Bambino thing for like kids earlier in the day. And there was a festival in Ottawa for a long time called the Ottawa Explosion Weekend. And yeah. one of the best parts of Ottawa Explosion Weekend was like, you get to go see your pals and then you get to hang out with your pals' kids. And they're just like <laughs> vibrant and full of life. And they're like, you know, they're little kids and just stoked on music. So you just get yeah. to watch like, like watching these like little kids dance around to the sedatives while they're playing. Like yeah. it's, it's <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah. So uh, kind of like speaking about um, what? I was just going to say we we have about 10 minutes. That's Before it? Get, yeah. I know, right? Before we get cut off. We can, we can do it. We can do we can a two-part if you want to keep it going. Yeah, right? Anyway, let's see where it goes. Carry on. What's up, Jay? All right. Um. I was going to say, speaking of kids and growing up through music and all of that, uh, I'm always interested to hear people's influence and in kind of their evolution of music. Cause I know myself, like, I used to listen to, like, Loverboy and Twisted Sister, and, you know, when I was, like, I don't know, four years old. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I had to answer this question, like, 10 minutes ago, or, like, I guess oh, yeah. a half hour ago for, for <laughs> something else. But, like, my early, like, foundation growing up was, like, my mom really liked AM radio. So it was a lot of, like, the Beach Boys and stuff, which tracks. Like, it makes sense. The Ramones are just, like, sped up Beach Boys songs. Like, yeah. it makes sense. And my dad really loved, like, like Leonard Skinner and bands with, like, guitar solos and stuff. So... I kind of like got kind of both sides of this weird mix. And then, yeah. um, I mean, when I was like four, I was listening to like New Kids on the Block, like yeah. straight up just like pop music. <laughs> and then I remember being eight and being at a neighbor's house and the neighbor had a copy of Dookie. So, sorry, this is Joan. This is the Hello, cat Joan. for people who are listening. There's a cat interjecting. Um, <laughs> And that was kind of the start of everything for me. So like um, Green Day was a big influence when I was young and like continues to be a little bit, like especially with um, their connection to like different scenes and things. Uh, like, like Lookout Records was hugely influential for me. Um, and then so when I was younger it was like Green Day and that was kind of a big one and then also Nirvana was a huge Nirvana yeah. fan like Nirvana is why I bought a guitar yeah <laughs> um yeah I mean it just is what it is and then like so it was like Green Day and Nirvana and then you read I read a lot and I read a lot so I would be like oh who are the bands that influence these bands and so it would be like uh, Green Day was influenced by the Ramones and Nirvana was influenced by Black Flag and I'd be like okay what are those bands and then also with the Nirvana thing there was like it was the pop punk boom in the late 90s and the early 2000s so like I was listening to Blink-182 and Sum 41 and, and bands like that yeah. this is really frustrating I'm sorry about the cat <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> um, just having a good time just having a good time um I was, so, like, 
the thing with tracing it back was like, oh, uh, I'm listening to Blink. Oh, they're really influenced by The Descendants and by Screeching Weasel. And so then you research those bands and it kind yeah. of, it's like a melting pot. Like everything is just like little bits and pieces and you take it from everything. And then, you know, in high school, I had a friend who was like, oh, you like these bands? Well, you'll probably really like Operation Ivy. And so yeah. got really into Operation Ivy. And then Jesse Michael's other band was called Common Rider, who Master Giorgini was also in Common Rider. <laughs> okay. Uh, to trace that back. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, you know, I remember being a punk in high school and like wearing a Nirvana shirt and like wearing an Operation Ivy t-shirt and like having those, having those things just be like, be part of my musical DNA. And then when I first started trying to write songs, I really wanted to like write, like Dead Pinkertons originally formed as like wanting to be like an 80s political hardcore band or something. Um, and we were never entirely successful at that. And then we had a lineup change. Um, and then the lineup change is where uh, Jason, our connection comes from because the lineup change yeah. involved Darren, who used to be in Make, yeah. no, or Make No Gains, who still exists. And Flags of Convenience. And Flags of Convenience, that was the one. Yeah. Um, just gonna put her down. <laughs> Yeah, this is the thing. Uh, she's my my cat's adorable, but she's very um, loves to be in on Zoom calls. Loves it. Um, but yeah, so where was I going with that? Oh, you were asking about influences and traveling through. So like a lot of like alternative bands, bands that would be labeled as alternative. Uh, yeah whether they be punk bands or like college rock bands. And then like in my twenties, I got really into like garage rock and bands like the Marked Men and the Carbonas and the Replacements and, and Husker Du and, and all the Minneapolis bands and stuff. So it just kind of like went through that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was actually one of my favorite things was getting a new CD and then looking at special thanks to, and then seeing all the different bands and being like, all right, now I got more bands to check out. I still do it. I still, if I oh, get yeah. a record, I'll still like look at the thank yous and see, be like, oh, who, who is this band touring with? Who's also worth checking out? Right? Like, I just uh, bought, I just bought this. Nice. And holy is there, crap. Like, is there like isocracy songs on that? There, yeah, this, everything. And so much, so much stuff. Like when I listen to it, I kind of it takes me back to Cafe Ole. Yeah. And this that sound. So then I'm like, okay, who is this? And then I go and try to find more of everything that's on. Like this is crazy. Anyway. Yeah. That that's a. I mean, anything that's like Gilman Street adjacent is like really cool. Like I've when I was before, I was like, I've done a lot of things in music, and I've had like like a lot of personal successes i would love to play gilman street that would be like the jam that would be so cool um i think this is gonna time out in a second do we want to keep going yeah we got there's two minutes we can we can end this and then do a part two um 
I'll just have to send another. I think it has to end, and then we can just restart it. So okay, okay, I'll just end it, and then we'll we'll start again. Okay, all right. Uno momento. <laughs>